isn't back. Wherever he goes, adventure follows. From Afghanistan to Vienna. From Tangiers to Gibraltar. He lives on the edge. The Living Daylights, rated PG. Starts Friday, July 31st at a theater near you. What's up, y'all? I'm Nolan. Glover. Stacy Glover. Melanie Daniels. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. What's up, y'all? We haven't talked for a few weeks. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. Enjoying your summer so far? Yeah, it's not too bad. Okay, well. You good? I'm doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, not bad. I'm, I'm dream living out here. Today's show, we're going to be uh, talking about the James Bond film, The Living Daylight. Before we get to that, Melanie, what are we drinking for today's show? So we've got a couple different things going on. I don't know if either of you are actually olive people. I love olives. I like pickles. I like olives. Okay. Because we're doing a James Bond film, of course, we have to have some fashion of a martini. What I made for us is kind of a take on just a dirty martini, but I don't love vermouth, so there's no vermouth in this. What I did was, and Stacy, yours is different from me and Nolan's, so I'll explain me and Nolan's first. Ours are non-alcoholic, Seedlip Garden uh, 108 for ours, and it's kind of like a a non-alcoholic gin or vodka replacement. It's a clear liqueur, but this is super botanical. And On the serving suggestion, it says to do rosemary and ginger ale with it, which sounds really good. Mm -hmm. So what I made was our dirty martinis were shaken, not stirred. Of course. And I used three ounces of seed lip in ours, a little bit of olive brine, a twig of rosemary in the shaker with the olive brine and an olive, shook it up really good, poured it into ours, and then garnished with olives, of course. very lovely. Yeah, so this is very nice, very smooth. Stacy, yours is exactly the same, except for instead of seed lip, I did two ounces gin, one ounce vodka. I appreciate the booze. (laughs) And then we're also drinking just as a, because the martini is not a very large drink and we tend to go for over an hour. I also made us something that I'm going to call Sweet Cara because, or Sweet Cara, but it is ginger beer, probably three to four ounces, and then more of the seed lip in me and Nolan's. You have whiskey in yours. Thank you. (laughs) And then a little bit of lavender syrup and then some grenadine. So it's very cute and pretty, just like Cara. In your Muppets from Space glass. I know they're Mm. so cute. They're pretty cute. I highly recommend if you don't partake in alcohol or you just want to Something a little bit different. Seed Lip's great. They make a couple of different versions. There's like some spicy versions. Stacy, do you not like the martini? <laughs> no, 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 I do. I've had two ginger beers and bourbons before recording, so. A little different on the palate. I'm just adding two. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm cultivating. Cultivating yeah, alcohols. Both of these are very, yes. very nice. All right. Uh, I guess real quick, uh, before we get started in the film, let's talk about what we've been up to. Stacy, you want to start us off today? I've been playing uh, this pretty fun, kind of like low-key indie game, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Never heard of it. It's awesome. I'm two dungeons in. I think there are four dungeons total. The Ganon fight, like the main castle. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a secret dungeon. I, I'm probably about a third of the way through my time with this game. I'm really enjoying it. I like it more than Breath of the Wild. I love Breath of the Wild. And that game is phenomenally designed. But this game, I don't know. There's does it just, just kind of expand on what was there before? It does. It's clicking with me more. Like the puzzles are clicking with me more. The mechanics, the building, that stuff is clicking with me. You can fail in spectacularly stupid ways. 
and it's delightful. It is one of the best games of this generation, if not like the last few decades, which is wild. I think we're due for a hell of a year for video game fans. Best this game like is 90, phenomenal. Yeah. Resident Evil 4, like that remake was a wonderful remake of a perfect game. Nolan's been playing a game that I'm very excited about. We have these wonderful fighting games that are coming out. Street Fighter 6, Mortal Kombat 1, Tekken 8. And then we have Starfield, Spider-Man 2. Like there's a lot to look forward to. So this is just like, it's like 1998. That's what I was going to, that's why I started to say is it's 1998 again. We just got good games. Next week, Final Fantasy 16 comes out. I'm so pumped. How are you going to make the time for it? That's the question. I got to be a Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. Uh, I played I played a little bit of uh, Tears of the Kingdom and enjoying very much. And I agree with everything you said. I've not put the time into it yet that you have, but it's it's very good. I'm not it's playing like, it yeah. at all yet, but I love the I love to watch people fail in that game. You're not on social media, but Nolan, I don't know if you see I've stuff where it's, it's yep. I just love that people will make these really intricate things that you're like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to hop on it. And then they like whack the fan. It'll start doing whatever it's supposed to or like it looks cool. That's awesome. He yep. succeeded. He achieved. And then it goes so wrong and you're yep. just extended, mm-hmm. suspended yep. out in the open air falling I have, um, I'm not the best crafter in the world. I don't, <laughs> I don't play a lot of those type of games, but I, I like that it added this element to this game so I can at least try. So I'm like at the point of the game where I don't have like access to a lot of the big stuff yet, but I've tried to put together some, <laughs> some smaller things. I've, I've made them work for me, but one big fail in particular that happened to me with something that should have been simplistic. It had all the elements there for me. And I needed to take a Korak over a river to meet his friend. So his we're Korak trying. Friend. We're trying to make a flotation device. Yeah. I assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> it has the the board, like the wood, there for me. Sure, you got it's your got raft. Fans there for me. Okay. And it's got a rocket there for me. So you've got everything that you need yeah. to create the yeah. inertia. Just this little device. I'm like, no sweat. This will be fine. So I, I put my, I got my raft together. I put the fans on. I put the rocket on. I put the rocket on the wrong way. <laughs> so instead of like pushing me forward, it pushed me backwards. Inland. So, so I got on the river and I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. Hit the rocket and my boat just explodes. And me and the Korak both just fall into the river. And it was really funny. And it's like it was the, it should have been the simplest thing. And my mind was just like, mm-mm. I do love that you can set up something and then whenever you fail, it's still funny just yeah. because of how stupendous. I had a Korok uh, situation as well where <laughs> it was one that his friend was uh, probably about 15 feet high, mm-hmm. a little cliffside. Sure. And there are rockets. So I'm like, okay, I, I've got this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to attach a rocket to the Korok and nice. we're going to go up and then we'll just, you know, it's fine because he'll just you know, boom, and then down, like, he's fine, and I'll I'll climb up, not a big deal. I didn't think of balancing Mm. the rocket, Uh so when I went to go hit it, it went down and then launched him Uh horizontally. (laughs) Oh, man. Probably, like... (laughs) How many miles away is he from his friend now? I did not see him land. So he's in a lot worse shape than he was to begin with. (laughs) You're really far out there. (laughs) 
I don't need those Korok seeds that bad. <gasps> you <gasps> left him? He's just going to be without his friend for the end of time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find more. R.I.P. to that poor Korok. I think he's alive somewhere. But they're not together. And they'll never be together. <laughs> no. He's just going to be a lonely soul. Well, good game. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> Melanie, what have you been up to? I have been playing Fallout 4, going back in time. Did you? Did either of you, did you really play it that much? I played a good amount of it, but I would always, I never finished it. I'll put <sighs> it that way. Same. Man, it's... I'm trying to finish it just because I want to. Like, I didn't finish Fallout 3 either, mm -hmm. which you didn't finish Fallout no. 3. You never will. No, I don't think I've ever finished a Bethesda game. What's the first, where's the huh. first area you go to in Fallout 3? Is it? Um, Nukem Town? It's something Nuke like Town. that. I would get so distracted. <laughs> I, I would go there and then I would just want to kill everyone. Yeah. And uh, particularly the man named Arkansas. Arkansas. And yeah, we always had it out for each other. And then there was a. You, we didn't. You didn't have it out for each other. You. He's an NPC. You had it out for him. <laughs> and, this, and this bounty hunter was always there. And I can't remember his name, but we also. I'd kill him sometimes. Usually he'd kill me. and Usually you'd die. And I would die before I had mission accomplished. And there was no saving during your yeah. mm -hmm. massacre. Right. So, so it would just it would be, be back fine. to the beginning. I just, I, I have, I've always had it thing about doing that in games. I always loved, like, even as going back to, like, GoldenEye, mm -hmm. you know, I would just get fascinated with just going in the facility and and uh, and just, like, beating Boris. Like, <laughs> it, just taking my hand and just Chopping, slapping him. Doing and chops. Like, <laughs> and I would just do that for hours at a time, and I wouldn't get anywhere. Just Boris? You yeah. Just, I just, yeah. Hours? Probably. I just like that. Well, so I've been playing Fallout 4. It's broken. It's awful. It's not good. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's good. It's just like the other day I was walking around in Diamond City, which is mm -hmm. the, what like probably the biggest city in that for that game. And I was running away from these super mutants that are just like these big beefy ogre looking guys mm -hmm. running away from them. And all of a sudden the game glitched to where the texture and the environment around me was like a baseball field, but like completely clean green field. And then it glitched back to the broken city. Ah. I was like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All as I'm running. So it's like I'm in mo motion going and it's just glitching around me. Uh -huh. And the characters who are chasing me are no longer there, but then they are. Classic Bethesda. Yeah. And then <laughs> the thing in that game too is if you fast travel away from something, you're not supposed to be able to fast travel if there's enemies near you. Right. It's supposed to stop mm -hmm. you until you take care of the enemies. Well, I fast traveled to a place not knowing that there was something next to me is one of those, oh, I don't yeah. know what they're called. They're like the crabmen, the Merklocks or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. They're coming at me, whatever. Like I ran away from them and I was going to another place to get to a mission. So I fast traveled to the place I was trying to get to after mm -hmm. I'd ran away. Well, they're, apparently they were still with me and I didn't know it. I uh -huh. fast travel <laughs> and I'm inside uh, one of my settlements. Yep. So it's like all these people that I'm trying to make happy with all their, did just they, their did water. Did crabs go with you there? Yeah, they fast traveled with me uh -uh. to the area. I was so mad uh. and stuff like that keeps happening, which, yeah. so yeah, I'm having a great time. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through it so that I can play Breath of the Wild Move or to, Tears of the Kingdom. Something. Just something, sure. just happier. I, I respect your determination, your willpower. It's been tough. <laughs> oh, I did read, I reread the Living Daylights short story for this, okay. just in preparation. So I've also been doing that, been reading. Nice. Yep. I'll, I'll name a couple things real fast. I've watched a lot of movies lately and I'm not going to go over all of them, but 
Uh, this is a new movie, so I'll mention that. Uh, I watched The Boogeyman from this year, directed by Rob Savage. I did not particularly like it, uh, but I know there are horror fans out there that have, but uh, it was a bit tedious for me, and something I've had a lot of issues with new newer horror films is just the same themes, like just grief and dealing with just, I don't know, Babadook-type issues, things like that, and I think it's overplayed at this point. The monster at the end is not all that great either, and uh, anyway, it was fine, but... I, I would not give it a very strong recommendation, but for the horror fans out there, you know, I'm so sure some is of you it like it. practical or CGI? It's it's mostly CGI. Um, it looks okay, what it is. Nothing very impressive. How does it hold up for the, um, like the third act? I feel like for a lot of newer horror that even if people like it, at least what I've been experiencing is that third act kind of I will say, and I usually agree with you, in this one it kind of flipped it where I didn't really care for the first two thirds of the movie and the last 15 to 20 minutes, I actually was like somewhat engaged. Just the creature didn't yeah. look good. So, yeah. but of course, like throughout most of the movie, you, you don't get the creature until, until the end here. And, um, I don't know. It was just kind of a meandering movie yeah. for me at times, but anyway, so that's something I watched. Not really a recommendation, but it's <laughs> out there. Um, and like I said, I've watched a lot of movies, but, um, well, you can look at my letterboxd if you want to know all the shit I've been watching. And the other thing I will mention is diving into Diablo 4 on PS5. And I really enjoy it and I would give it a strong recommendation. And um, I think it is a superb upgrade over Diablo 3. And I really like Diablo 3. Like most people that play those type of games. Great loot system. Huge game. If you're a uh, RPG dungeon crawler fan go out and buy this and i think you will not regret it nice does it have any babadook issues no babadook issues do you like the babadook yeah i didn't mind that movie i'm just to the point where you're done with babadooks i'm just kind of that the, that theme has kind of worn itself out in my opinion can i tell you something yes. that might be controversial sure. i don't like the babadook design I like it in the it's drawings, yeah, in the kid drawings. Mm -hmm. I like it sure. and all the animation stuff that's mm -hmm. in that film is so cool. Yeah. I really like the storybook elements, but I, the in-person yeah. Babadook is kind of like, okay. Yeah. Well. It was one of those movies like I've only seen it once and I liked it. I just, I don't know how often I'd go back to it. But anyway. Well, you heard it here. Fuck the Babadook. That's not what I said. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really although, like that movie. Although that is a thing on... I mean, fan fiction sites, like there's some- Like Babadoo fucking? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Huh. Yes. I mean, I guess- it, Everything's a thing. Everything fucks. Everything's a thing. Mm -hmm. All I gotta say about that is you're not fucking, you're nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, are we ready to get into today's movie? Certainly. So we are discussing 1987 James Bond film, The Living Daylights, directed by John Glenn. Whose pick was this for this episode? In a roundabout way, this is a listener pick. We had to start somewhere. Sure. We need to cover Bond at some point. Yep. So this is kind of just our intro. And I was excited because you've never seen yep. these films. That's right. Uh, you guys, I don't know. Do we want to talk about just like our relationship, relationship with, Bond? with Bond or experience here? Uh, I'll just start because mine's the probably the weakest is I've seen most of the Conneries, not all of them. So I was talking with you, Stacy. Where did we, Melanie, where did we say I stopped? Um, I've watched up till um, Nolan has, her secret magister, or 
How do you say that movie? On, on Her, Her Majesty's Majesty. Secret, Majesty. Service. Yes. Secret Service. So Nolan has not watched a Bond film up until today from the years 1969 to 95. That's right. So I'd, I'd seen the Brosnans and then... You've never seen a Roger Moore movie. I, I haven't seen a Moore movie. It was on when I was a kid. Not so like, something that you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could pick out random images, but like, yeah, I've never actually watched the movies. So uh, anyway, uh, I love the first couple Conneries. Doctor No, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I really like Goldfinger and From Russia With Love is my favorite Bond movie that I've seen thus far, probably. It's, it's up there with Skyfall for me. Um, and I, just for me personally. No, From Russia With Love is my favorite Bond film, probably. The hard thing is whenever I watch some of these that I like a lot, I go back and forth. It's the same with Bond. Most of the time, Timothy Dalton's my Bond, but sometimes it's sure. Connery because he's he is so good in those movies. Sure. So, yeah, like, like you guys just said, this was my first uh, Timothy Dalton. I thought he was very good in this role and um, charismatic. I found him very beguiling, just handsome, a charmer obviously. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Bond series is I have a number of them I still need to watch and uh, we'll get there. Love Bond. I have seen all of the Bond films, most of them multiple times. I really enjoy this series. One of, if not the best long running series. So as a kid, License to Kill was the movie that played the most on cable. So that was probably when I was young. That's the one that I probably watched the most. But I did watch, you know, the Connery ones, some of the Roger Moore ones um, in adulthood. You know, I, I love what they did with Daniel Craig, like his run for the most part. There's some stinkers and not stinkers. Just I'm of the thought that a bad Bond film is typically better than just like an average action movie. It's a good series. So I, I've got an affinity for Bond. I just, I love this series. Discovering GoldenEye, that was kind of a fun thing for me. Um, obviously the game was a big, big thing. I think now in adulthood, the game is better than the movie. But I remember <laughs> being at the, I have a very distinct memory at being at the video store and seeing the cover for GoldenEye. And I was like, oh, uh, mom loves action movies. And I love action movies. I'm just going to go ahead and rent this. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, it's a James Bond film. It's like, oh, shit, this is awesome. And yeah, I, I like that movie for the most part. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, love Bond. My family, everybody really loved Bond. My oldest brother, he's the one that kind of intentionally we're going to watch these films together. We typically, we would do bond marathons every, every year, every other year, at least around Christmas. So we would start with Connery in December and then just go all the way through during the holidays. And that was just a, a regular thing, like I said, but we watched them all. And even whenever I was younger, Pierce Brosnan's films, I loved those. I know they're not good, but being at the age I was when they came out, I thought they were amazing. So there's not a bond movie that I disliked when I was younger. I really liked them all. My brother was such a big Sean Connery guy and that to him, it's like that is Bond. And I think he was one of the people that when Daniel Craig was cast, he was like, "Ugh, no, that's awful casting. I hate it. Don't want it. He also didn't really like Lazenby. He doesn't like Dalton. So I wouldn't even tell anyone in my family that I love Dalton and Dalton was my favorite Bond. <laughs> I read the Ian Fleming stories. I for me, just for what I visualize whenever I read his words, it's Timothy Dalton. So he's my Bond. Before we get into the movie, do we want to just discuss our thoughts on the movie? 
I think Timothy Dalton is a fantastic Bond. I wish that he got a better run, and I wish that he got better movies. I think for the most part, this is a very solid Bond film, but it kind of loses some steam, and I think that it's saddled with an all-time awful James Bond villain. <laughs> like, th- this is the worst villain in the entire series. It's a pretty fun movie. But yeah, I mean, even George Lazenby got a great movie. That is, I mean, Nolan, I'm excited for you to watch that movie. We won't talk about anything with it, but that is a film that's a little bit more, one of the best Bond stories, Casino Royale is the best story, but it's just a little bit more serious at moments and the characters are just really fleshed out, I guess, Mm -hmm. than some of the others. Sure. Very interestingly directed. Agreed, it's, yeah. It's a great action film. Yeah. Yeah, this movie, it, so you got John Glenn directing it, which I think he's a very serviceable director. He did, I think, all of the Bonds in the 80s. I think he started for with Free Your Eyes Only, which is a fantastic he, movie. Yeah. Well, he he's serviceable, but it's nothing, you know, flashy like Honor Majesty's Secret Service or Skyfall. You know, anything lavish like uh, the Ken Adams designs in those early Sean Connery films. Yeah. Yeah, it it was very much like it has that workman feel to it and very solidly directed, in my opinion. But like you said, there's nothing that just kind of maybe stands out. There's no finesse. There's no. Yeah, it's. But it's it was well shot and directed. There is one shot in the movie. I was like, oh, somebody found like they woke up the very right second and it's like, we're going to put a camera here. It's in Afghanistan when they're getting ready to deal the opium. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, it's almost like washed out, but it's naturally washed out with the sun just Mm -hmm. dawning. It's the horizon on. Yeah, Yeah. it's a wonderful shot. Like somebody grabbed a camera and was like, guys, get on your fucking horses right now. I I got something. That probably wasn't him. That was probably the cinematographer or like (laughs) the second. AD. Yeah, it is perfectly serviceable. Like it's fine. There's some great stunts, but there's some great stunts in pretty much all those films. Like there's some really cool action moments, but I almost feel like with a lot of the bond from, I'm just going to say, Maybe the 70s and 80s, there's some really cool action. They'll have like a really bizarre cartoony sound effect over it or just like something that makes it more comical. Whenever you're looking at it technically, you're like, that's very impressive that someone did that. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, I was definitely mixed on this movie. The first hour and a half, I was really liking it. And um, there's a point where, and we'll talk about it when the movie uh, moves to Afghanistan, and it, it it lost a lot of steam and momentum. It's very engaging, me. the first. Yeah, and really, yeah, like that first hour and a half, there's, it's it's very entertaining. There's some good comedy. There's some really excellent action set pieces. The stunt work, like you said, yeah. is, is really well done. It's got that kind of 80s feel of pop filmmaking and, and the color palette and the music. I like, love the music mm-hmm. with it. It feels very of the time. It definitely dates it in a way that's different from how the 70s films are dated mm-hmm. now. But I really like it. Yeah. I love the color palette I and the music. I love the re-recording of the Bond theme Ugh. with the synth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's it good. sounds so good. Yeah. And it, I think it makes those action scenes because I... I know they they play it during the intro when he is uh, trying to get the the guy who killed the agents. They play it during that. And I think they play it during the um, kind of the ski chase. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it thumps. Yeah, man. When when that hits the... uh when that when that hits the the screen, it, you're feeling it. Not to pivot from this because we can still talk about it, but I am curious. 
how do you guys feel about this Bond song? It's Aha, The Living Daylight. Hey, I, I dug it. I love it's it. It's great. It's yeah. so good. And I, I like that it, they do the thing that View to a Kill did where it, I guess a lot of the movies do this, where they play the melody of the, the main song. Yeah. But kind of stuck out to me. They, they use... Uh, the song as a melody throughout the film to score the action. It's really good. For sure. I, I like the different versions of it. It's, it's yeah. yeah. And those, those opening titlers are really great. The, always the art design and in, in, on those are Maurice Bender, I think. Yep. Yeah. So good stuff. And then the, the last couple of things I'll say real quick is one of the henchmen uh, that kills by strangling uh, you. And he, he uses his Walkman to do that with. And I thought that was pretty clever, especially just, showing the time period and and just throwing that 80s culture into it. What's his name? It's Andreas Winenski or Wisniewski. 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 Yeah. He's like the number the first henchman that dies in Die Hard. He's the guy with the shirt that says, ho, ho, now I have a machine gun. Yeah. Drop it, dickhead. It's the police. You won't hurt me. Yeah? Why not? Because you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. Yeah. That's what my captain keeps telling me. That's him. So, yeah, I, I really liked his character, and he is probably the best villain in this, this movie by yeah, far. Yeah, Necros. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then the last thing I'll say is, even though I, I didn't particularly love the last, I don't know, 40, 30, 40 45 minutes, uh, the last action, action set piece... Um, that takes place on a plane uh, is really impressive in my opinion. And um, yeah, it was, it was great. So. I wouldn't even say it's the entire end of the film. It's just that like, it's really 20 minutes when you're in Afghanistan yeah. and things are just, it halts the pace a little bit. Sure. Uh, the living daylights, 1987 directed by John Glenn licensed to thrill. James Bond helps a Russian general escape into the West. He soon finds out that the KGB wants to kill him for helping the general. A little while later, the general is kidnapped from the Secret Service, leading 007 to be suspicious. So we have the aforementioned Timothy Dalton as James Bond, Miriam Diabo, I hope I said that name right, as Kara Malovoy, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Don Baker as Whitaker, Art Malik as Cameron Shaw, John Reese davies as General Pushkin, Jerome Crabb as General... Koskov, Andres Wisniewski as Necros, Thomas Wheatley as Saunders, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, Robert Brown as M. We should obviously name Caroline Bliss as Miss Moneypenny. Anybody else you guys want to shout out or have me shout out? Did you say Art Malik? Uh, No, I did not. Cameron Shaw? Yes, that is right. That covers it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think we're good there. You you dropped John Glenn, right? I mean, we've talked about him. So John Glenn started... This is kind of common with the Bond series up until really until the 90s. They would use the same directors often. Guy Hamilton, Terrence Young directed a shit ton Mm -hmm. of these movies. Well, John Glenn, he worked as an editor for the series and then he was promoted to director. I can't think of his name off the top of my head and I'm not going to look it up, but the director of Honor Majesty's Secret Service also worked on the films before graduating to director. I think that's kind of interesting. Like they have this Peter R. Hunt. See, there you go. Um, They they have this almost kind of hammerish in-house filmmaking and it almost 
feels like, uh, you know, with the Maurice Bender titlers, you have the the actors who are there, like Desmond Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Yep. Llewellyn. You know, Money Penny. Uh, I can't think of the original actress's it's name. And uh, Lois Bernard, Maxwell. Is Bernard the original M? Yes. And he is M up until, I think, For Your Eyes Only. And then this actor that plays M in this film yeah. is in the all the 80s movies. But it, it's kind of like this in-house style of, mm-hmm. you know, making these movies. I find sure. it interesting. Yeah, no, most definitely. And it it seems like uh, you know this better than me. I'm just pointing it out. The Broccoli's are the ones that put this all together and continue to. I was going to say still. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do that. And yeah. They, they've done a good job. So originally, because there's so much story with the different actors that could have been Bond when they could have been Bond. Yeah. Originally, because I think that they were impressed with him in Lion in the... Wait, Lion in the Winter. That's what it is. The Lion in the Winter, Timothy Dalton. They considered Timothy Dalton for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. He turned it down because he was in his 20s and was like, mm. Bond needs to be older. So they went with George Lazenby. So then it came around to Roger Moore's time. And then once Roger Moore was finishing up, they really wanted Pierce Brosnan, who was working on Remington Steel. It got so far to where Brosnan had the job for this film. And then I think it was ABC. They found out that he was going to be Bond. So they renewed Remington Steel, thinking that that would get them more viewers. Well, because of that, he lost the job because he wouldn't have time to film the movie. Sure. So then they went back to Timothy Dalton. He was very um, hesitant to take on the role. Uh, he didn't want to, you know, do like a Sean Connery or Roger Moore impression. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he started reading the books that he was like, oh, I can do my own thing with this. I can do, you know, Fleming's words mm-hmm. which is, and bring that to the screen. Yeah. He's one of the few whenever he says and like the first time, which I Nolan, you can give your opinion. I, whenever he says Bond, James Bond, it doesn't sound as if he's like, this is going to be one of those moments that people really want this line delivered. Sure. He just says it and it sounds so natural compared to a lot of other people that do it. I agree. Bond, James Bond. I agree. And and even with the like chicken, not stirred. It, stuff, it's just it's, sounds so yeah, natural in his dialogue. I love it. Yeah. He's wonderful. And I, I do like Pierce as an actor, but I think he's the worst Bond I think that I think he's handsome as all get out, but yeah, he's hammier than Roger Moore. Like Roger Moore actually (laughs) has some, some like suave and some, some depth to that character. Which I don't think either of you have watched the saint, the show it, uh, it's so good. And he's very suave and, but kind of, again, it's that little devilish smirk and charm. That's, he's just really good in the Mm -hmm. show. I mean, really all that Pierce brings to the role is he's very handsome. He's stupid handsome. Yeah. But, in, and it's not his fault. It's just the way the, the scripts those movies the sto- are. The stories is, are not that great. He is he is a walking hard on that is just throwing out puns left and right. The like, euphemisms and it, the yeah. It it huh. it's so bad it would make Roger Moore blush. <laughs> other other <laughs> sweet uh, facts. Um, this is the last film until Casino Royale to be named after a Fleming uh, story. story. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. 
Now I do. Now you do. Now you're smarter. Now I have. Now maybe you can win knowledge. Some trivia night at the Alamo. You're going to be like, they're going to ask you, what was Mm -hmm. the last Mm -hmm. Bond film that used an Ian Fleming title? And you'd be like, well, I know it's not The Living Daylights, but that was second to last. Mm -hmm. That's right. Thank you. Um, Since it is the first time that we are talking about Bond. Yes. We do need to talk. So one of the writers on this, Richard Mayabam, been a writer for the entire series, kind of off and on. Started as far back as Dr. No. I'm kind of surprised this is the first Bond film we've done. I know. It's weird. That is. I thought about suggesting Dr. No last year since it was an anniversary. Mm. Uh, John Barry, the composer, which Mm -hmm. has been the composer for the majority of these films up until the 90s. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And we did talk about Marie Spender's wonderful uh, intros, which Nolan did ask at one point, is she naked? And the answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and but that's also the point is to make you question. Mm-hmm. So um, just to give you guys a little summary kind of of the story that this is based on, really the short story, it just opens with the that entire intro, or not the intro, but the um, them at the why can't I think orchestra, the musical event and setting up the like dueling snipers. Yes. That that's just the kind of the first act of the film is what the short story is. So it's mainly just about him seeing her, him not shooting her. And it, the dial again, the dialogue is so the way that he describes things and the way that Timothy Dalton reacts to things, it, it just feels very, very much the character that he's writing about. It's so good. How long is the super short? short. Okay. It's super short. Just to clarify, it's Octopussy and The Living Daylights. Okay. It's just a short. A lot of his stuff is like novella mm-hmm. or short story length. Okay. There's a few novels. There, Most but... of it you could read in one setting. Okay. Let's get into this. You guys will have to help me with plotting like always, but I will do my best to guide us. All right. Uh, the beginning of this movie, we have a paintball game turned dark. Uh I really liked this opening. It's a really good set piece. Uh, I was a little confused what was happening right at the first until I've kind of got the understanding that there's a rogue. I don't know if he's an agent or just an assassin and he's taking out people at this compound and they're like training, I guess. What are you? I don't know. What are your thoughts? here? Yeah. So it's a training exercise uh, at Gibraltar. and, And that's one cool thing about this movie the globe trotting mm-hmm. that's in this movie. Yes, so they are doing just a an exercise for the double O agents. Yep. And like you said, there's an agent that is there assassinating other agents. So that ties into the main story where it's the Russian program that's revived by the, the rogue general to assassinate uh, agents across the world. It's death to agents. That's what they're, the little note that they're yeah. writing on everything. Sure. The tag on the the one guy yeah. that's on the side, they get, it's yep. death to agents. So that first, this is just a random side or note. Or death to spies, that's what death it is. Death to spies. Yeah. Uh, random side note, when that first shot goes off, that's a paintball, I thought, you know, the person was actually getting shot and I saw the explosion and to me, I it took me a second to realize it was it was a paintball till the first. Because they're just doing fine, a but testing. In yeah. my mind, there's Johnny Toe sometimes in some of his movies. He does this thing where when people get shot, there's like a weird dust explosion of blood. And that's what came to mind when I saw that. And I thought it was really cool. It's still really cool. That well, like it looks good, but I, that just was. But it's also what hot pink, of. too. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so anyway, that's just a random side note that I just <laughs> thought was interesting. So in this opening, uh, 
just some insane stunt work and a car chase that ends appropriately with explosions. Good stuff. Obviously get the uh, opening titlers and uh, the song, which I've already forgot the name of. Uh-huh. Thank you. And uh, like we talked about just a little bit ago, I was a really big fan of this. These opening titlers, the song's really good. I also really love, this is going back just a, a bit, but whenever the girl on the yacht is like, there's just no attract, there's no interesting <laughs> men here. There's just nothing. And then he, he, he like flips over <laughs> and then he's immediately like, I need you to use your phone. He takes it, yep. she'll call you back. It's all so boring here, Margo. There's nothing but playboys and tennis pros. If only I could find a real man. I need to use your phone. She'll call you back. Who are you? And then he just sits down <laughs> and then he's like, I need somebody in an hour. Won't you join me? Better make that too. It's mm-hmm. so smooth. And then you go into that killer. Like, I love all of the most of the beginning segments anyways, but yep. I just love this lead into that sexy. Absolutely. Watery. No, it was really great. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, the after the Tyler's, the film uh, quickly moves to Czechoslovakia. So uh, Stacy said we're going to be bouncing around to a lot of different places. This film is involving the KGB. We have some sniper shit. Uh, so <laughs> as you talked about earlier, uh, we have these kind of dueling snipers with Bond and a character we would find out, uh, named Kara. They're both, it seems trying to, well, she is trying to assassinate a character by the name of General Kusov. Yes. And he is trying to protect him from being killed. Is that correct? Yes. So General Kusov is a Russian general who is defecting to the West Mm -hmm. and he requested Bond be there to protect him for his, it's for him to get across the border to move to the West. So he's trying to get out. Yes. Yes. He's claiming the whole first act of this movie is he is selling MI6 on the idea that general Pushkin uh, played by John Reese Davies has lost his mind and has reenacted or uh, reinstalled this old uh, KGB plan to assassinate agents around the world, destabilizing intelligence yeah. and causing nuclear war, mm-hmm. whatever. Sure. So ultimate bad guy plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when Bond sees this other sniper, um, he misses on purpose, shooting her like in the hand or her gun. He, sh- he shoots the weapon. The weapon, yeah. and so she miss. You know, doesn't get a shot off or. Or she gets a shot and misses. Whatever, I can't remember. But anyway, it's a it's a mishap. And well, it's a really good moment because you have another agent with Bond. It's like, take the shot. What are you doing? And he's like, she's so beautiful. Yeah, can't, that can't he he's got the target on her head, and then he moves. He's like, maybe just I'll just shoot near her hand. Yeah, and he said that he didn't do it because he he felt something was off in the situation. I don't know if it's that or if he just was like, it's his instinct. man, that's. That's that's a hot lady right there. This sequence, what I really like about this is Bond is brought in as a hired killer. You don't really get it too often up till this point. There are moments in Dr. No where Sean Connery will just like kill a bitch. But, but he's not like a straight up assassin. Like that's not the assignment typically. Mm-hmm. So I, I love him pulling up the tuxedo collar, buttoning it. 
to like a tactical suit. I love that he puts on the glove to brace the sniper rifle. I love the professionalism. It's it's very like Tom Clancy-ish. Yeah, very. And like how intricate it is with him like setting up mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, kill this other sniper. Yeah. It's really cool. And there's another sequence later in the movie. It also has like that hard boiled Oh, man, James Bond is fucking vicious and awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's, like, the best at what he does. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to it. I'll point sure. it out. But this is <laughs> this is my first moment of that. Like, yeah. damn, this guy's different. And, again, that's a little thing that if you're not really taking it in, like, if you don't make a mental note of it, you, it can just slip past without. But there's, there's quite a few little things like that on his take. Quick side note from me is I don't know that this means anything. I just wanted to point it out. This film in particular... In the background a lot with classical music and some opera. Kira is a cello player and also a sniper. So I was thinking, and I I hope I get the the movie right, is it Mission Impossible 4? Is that the one where Rebecca Ferguson comes in and isn't she a sniper? And also I feel like there's some classic music playing it or they're at like some opera or something. Yes. And for some reason I was just, I was thinking of that movie. It's the fifth one. The fifth one, okay. Um, So yeah, there's a fight, um, I think backstage with an assassin between. Sure. Uh, Tom Cruise and, and an assassin. Re- Rebecca Ferguson's right. there to assassinate and somebody. Obviously, it's, it's a really good it's scene. It's set up very yeah. differently, but in a lot of ways, I, I thought it was probably somewhat of a yeah. of an inspiration. I'm okay with any chance we get to talk about Rebecca sure. Ferguson. Oh, yeah. A beaut. Well, well, well. Hi there. Ugh. So good. Yeah. Uh, so after this goes awry, they do make a plan B, if you will, to get the Russian dude out. General Kusov. General Kusov out of the situation. And it's kind of interesting. They put him in. It's Kuskov. Kuskov. Some sort of. It's a pipeline. There, Pipe, okay, the, the there you go. The Trans-Siberian pipeline that goes all the way all through. All the way That's, to, uh, yeah. Which I do. I love the, I love anything with Q. We'll just get that mm-hmm. out of the way. Any Anything with Q is my, my favorite part of any Bond movie. I would argue he's in the next film a little too much. License to Kill. That's fair, but I still love it. Uh-huh. But it's he, fair. He's basically acting as a like a third agent. I know. In that one. <laughs> I love Q. But yeah, they put him into this pod and give him a gas mask. And they're like, you're going to be perfectly fine. Probably. We've close never it. tried it before. Yeah, but close you got it. This. And then once we get the time, the little pressurized yep. thing up to 100, send him off. Yeah. Well, and another cool thing about the sequence this has to be like one of the first times that you see what, like a Harrier on mm. screen. The jet, it just goes mm-hmm. up and then out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool because I, I remember as a kid thinking like, you know, true lies, the Harrier and that, like that's so fucking cool. But mm. yeah. I mean, this is probably the first movie to have, you know, a plane like that. Probably, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I wrote down uh, this quote because uh, it uh, it has our, I mean, title of our movie in it. Uh, when they're talking about trying to figure out who Kira was, uh, Bond says whoever she was must have scared the living daylights out of her. Do you like it when a movie, when somebody says the title of a movie? Usually not, but I kind of enjoyed it here. <laughs> Again, because he doesn't hard sell it. It feels natural. Yeah, it, it, I dug it, but usually it does bother me. <laughs> because usually it's that that scared the... Yeah, living daylights out of like, and it's like very. This is just dropped in a conversation. You guys get it right. Yeah, you get it. (laughs) Like wink, look at the Mm -hmm. camera, nod. Yeah, continue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me on this. I I just wrote it down because I probably (laughs) thought it was funny. But someone quotes a ghetto blaster, 
And that's uh, cute. So, cute. Okay. Okay. Something we are making for the Americans. It's so good. Did, is the Q branch debrief? Is that before the attack on the British house? It is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because they open the pod to. Take they, out. they do two visits to Q Branch. Yes. Okay. So his first visit, which is what you're talking about, Nolan. Yep. Introduce the new money penny, mm-hmm. which she's a beaut. Yep. She's a beaut, but ugh, Lois Maxwell is just she's she's the best. She's so good. So agreed. Sure. But no, she. Um, did you say Carolina Bliss or Carolyn Bliss? Yes. She's gorgeous. Very sultry. Which, very. I think she only has the two movies. I could be wrong, but I think you're correct. Okay. Yeah, so they're going over, they're looking for KGB spies that are women to see if this girl's in the database. And then you get the offhand, the <laughs> they start doing the boombox music. We're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. Yeah, it's pretty pretty goofy. Next up, we've got the scene you kind of alluded to, the KGB infiltration. And this is the first time we meet Necros. Necros. And he infiltrates their compound basically as a as the milkman. As a milkman. That's right. If I was a killer agent. I think I would utilize milk bombs as well. I love mm-hmm. the dairy detners. <laughs> They're so cool. Ooh, I like that alliteration. The dairy detners. Dairy detners. That is really good. Detonator. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. They're, I love it. I Well, I just love because the first time he does it, you're like, was that a was that a milk bomb? And then he does it. And you see it in camera and you're like, yep. Oh, and that's where you get your story dump beforehand. Mm -hmm. Before you meet Necros, you get General Cusco. And and they talk about everything that's going on. And so we still think that he's defected and Mm -hmm. the British, you know, everyone's talking to him. Necros shows up and he gets caught by that agent that's guarding the house. And I think that like hand to hand fight is really badass. Yeah. With a lot of cool stunts and really cool timing. Mm -hmm. The, The medium wide shot. Where he's got him pushed in the corner. So they're in the kitchen a, just to yeah. just to mm-hmm. put. Sorry. You've got hot water boiling. You've got <laughs> chopped vegetables. You've got a grill with grating mm-hmm. that's hot. on An electric meat cutter. Yep. Like a lot of good things and going on in this kitchen. It's this filled kitchen. Like every corner of this room has something on. So they're going back and forth, fighting on top of this grill. Agent guy gets his face burnt on the grill mm-hmm. and you get this wonderful medium wide shot and it's all done choreographed perfectly where he picks up the water and flings it ducks at like the perfect time. It just looks so good. That spatial awareness. Absolutely. And we need more medium wide shots of action. Like it, it yeah. just looks so good. And it's so, like, these, such a good scene. These stuntmen mm-hmm. do such a good job, especially in like, this, the post-born movies where mm-hmm. it's like, you know that these wonderful stunts are happening, but they're filmed terribly. Right. Well, and you get the chopped editing, the shaky cam, like everything yeah. is like, you can't, you don't get to follow and you're not, you don't have a sense of where you are in the scene and what you're looking at. Medium wide, so much preferred for action. Just wanted to shout out, because I, I just mm-hmm. think the timing of that sequence is so well done. Found it very impressive yeah. just watching it's, it again. It's a great scene. I agree completely. Very well choreographed. Yep. The timing on everything is, it's really impressive. Yep. 
The thing I want to say real quick about Necros is when he pops into this movie and what he does to their compound, I was like, shit, this guy's a problem. He is very intelligent. This is going to be a really solid villain. Well, technically, the first time we see him, he's jogging away from the mm -hmm. compound and yeah. bumps into the milkman and then wraps back yeah. around without him seeing and strangles sure. him with his walkman. For sure. Yeah. So I, I was a little bummed as the movie goes and he kind of Dissipates. comes in and out. Yeah. Becomes a henchman. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Because I really did. He's awesome. Like well, him the a thing lot. is, he has such a cool intro, and then we pivot to the ultimate villain who. Right. And we'll get there, sure. but is, is not. The biggest, wettest fart. Is <laughs> not that cool. So <laughs> it is kind of a. It's such a big letdown in that. Mm -hmm. It's such a cool introduction to a character. Right. And then what you end up getting, you're like, ma'am, yep. no. No, you know what? <laughs> Joe Don Baker is such an unremarkable villain that they can bring him back. Two movies later as a CIA agent, because like you're not going to fucking remember that he was the bad guy in this Bond movie because it's so terrible. Mm -hmm. He is. The movie's good. Sure. I like him. I just don't like him in this movie. I like yeah, Joe. I like Joe him as an actor. He's a great actor, but Love I, him. I agree. Kind of a I this don't, was a shit role. I don't care kind for the a, character. Kind of I don't care him. for him in the film. It's just not yeah. good. Sure. All right. So after, after this happens. The Russian general. Is he a general? Koskov. I, I keep calling him a general. I don't know if he's, he's a general. general. Yeah, okay. It's general. Koskov. Uh, he is captured, and you come to realize. He's recaptured by the KGB, he's allegedly. By, yeah. They end up just like it was. Mm -hmm. It was a setup on the British officers. Yeah. So we have a problem on our hands, and the British don't know this yet, but they know that they need to go out on a mission to get this guy back. So we have our next scene with Q again, and he is going over his new uh, weaponry or his gadgets. New toys. Yeah. Like he does every time. The one that stood out for me here, because I think we all laughed because it's a pretty funny line, but um, he has a key and he was like, this key will open 90% of the world's lock. It's a, one of those keys that you flip. So he flips the key out and he's like, you may find the keys useful. They open 90% of the world's locks. I thought you were going to talk about the scientist that sits on the couch oh, yeah. and they get sucked, into, sucked the couch. into the couch. Well, that was really cute. No, no, no. Yeah. And that might be my make them laugh. Just nice. spoilers. But it's more of Q's elation. Like his look of my gadgets are so cool. But he just sucks this agent in and then sits down on top of him. All right. Sit down and make yourself comfortable. <laughs> That's yeah. I lost it. It was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so before the Q branch, I, I think we get the meeting with M where he tells Bond mm. like to go kill John Reese Davies because yeah. he's the bad general. And there is some doubt in Bond. He's like, you know, I've worked with this guy before. I don't think he's insane. You know, this mm -hmm. this seems a little suspect. And well, he and, and threatens been... him like, you know, if you if you check up on this girl and don't go kill him. I'm just going to go get somebody else mm -hmm. and put you on leave. So he like secretly arranges with Money Penny like tickets to checklist or um, Tangiers. Ten no, because uh, Tangiers is where he's supposed to go. Czechoslovakia, right? Because he goes back oh, yeah, there. Oh yeah, to get sorry. Her. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he. It's like he kind of knows that something's up from the get go. He does, and that's part of the reason what you said, Nolan, is he mm -hmm. was feeling something off about the whole situation. So mm -hmm. even though it's Bond and he sees a hot girl, of course he's like, I don't. I could probably bang her if I don't shoot her. So maybe I won't. Mm -hmm killer yeah. so but he does know something is like you know, amiss mm -hmm. very early on 
I <laughs> feel that Timothy Dalton's bond is more about work than he is about banging. I think he'll take a bang and he if does. it's presented. Mm-hmm. But like, I think about our introduction to him on the yacht. He his first concern was, I need to take your phone and I'm going to call. And then no, she's no. like, Hey, Sir. I got some booze. Look at this. I got a strapless bikini. I can't tell you how many times in the, the Connery films he's, he corrects whoever he's on the phone with and says, make it two hours because I've got to bang one out real quick. But I'm just <laughs> saying she's presenting. She's peacocking. She's you know in a what? bathing suit. She doesn't have to peacock. She's I'm already. <laughs> well, she's like, hey, you got the here's this drink. I'm ready to go. It's like, OK. I was going to I was just going to get picked up. Let's go. Well, yeah, he's all about business. I don't business bond. It's banging bond and business bond. I think it's all business bond first Mm. business and pleasure together. He only bangs like two girls in this movie. That's pretty impressive. It is. It's that's why I think he's all business. he's, He's more chase than some of the other bonds. I give you that. So he does. There is something from the very beginning where he knows there's something about this KGB guy that's not making sense. Like he's he's selling something that I'm not buying. For sure. And let's be honest, like Connery and Roger Moore at times could be a a little rapey. Well, I thought you were going to say Connery and Moore could have been more focused on the work because they were not. (laughs) No, they they were (laughs) too busy. They could have got a lot more done. Whenever Nolan, I'm really excited for you to watch Octopussy in particular. Hell yeah. What I really, because you're talking about how bad they are at the job. Um, I really like in Man with the Golden Gun how the entire movie is M yelling at Bond and everybody else because they're fuck ups. Yeah. Because they Uh, just keep fucking up the entire movie. M is about to go into cardiac arrest like for 90% of it because he's just like, can can someone work? Can someone do what I'm asking? I give you assignments. Can you just complete the assignment? He's just, (laughs) he is like one fuck up away from being like Herbert Lom in the Pink Panther. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, he's about to lose it. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there is a very, for what God knows, there's a plot mm-hmm. point in Man with the Golden Gun that is insane. Okay. It's about a third nipple. Oh. I'll just leave it at that. I'm in. I mean, that's I all I have to say. This, my excitement level is is gaining. <sighs> oh, God damn it. We're going to do one of those movies on the show, right? Yeah. Just Nolan talking about <laughs> JW is probably the best thing that could happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You don't know about JW. Oh, I don't, I don't even know what, what we're talking about here. I know you. No. You're that secret agent. That English secret agent from England. Continue. <laughs> Let's talk about this better movie. Uh, Bond has gone uh, looking for the sniper lady, is what I called her at this moment. And we find out her name is Kira. They uh, end up teaming together and go on a sort of road trip. What do we think of her as far as a Bond girl? She has a reason to be in the story. Her story moves the plot along. Um, she has agency. Mm-hmm. And these seem like very simple things that I'm pointing out to make a good character. But honestly, for most the Bond the, women... Most of the Bond women do not have any of those characteristics. Yeah, from, from all of the early ones I've seen... I'm that's why from Russia with yeah. love. I love so mm-hmm. much because I love them together. Sure. 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service, there's a lot. The best. So okay. good. Well, Sweet. second best. In this, I think she's great. She's got those big brown Bambi eyes and mm-hmm. those big pillowy lips and her accent. She's so stunning, but she's like approachable stunning. She kind of reminds me. I feel like a lot of action movies were pulling women that looked like this from the time. She reminds me of Mel Gibson's love interest in Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, yeah. Super cute. One thing I liked about her, I don't mean this to come across negative, but for this type of movie and and Bond in particular, her character doesn't seem like she's a hindrance or an annoyance or someone just there as a object. Well, it seems like his attraction to her Mm -hmm. first and foremost is he was very impressed by her playing yeah, for sure. because he points it out that before mm-hmm. we even know that she's anything to the rest of the story, yeah. he's like, Oh, the cellist. Yeah. And that's something you get from the bond stories. It, usually it's thrown in through like a, like a little piece of dialogue where he explains something. Uh, the Roger Moore movies actually do this really well. Bond is very sophisticated and has sophisticated taste. Yeah. Yeah. That shows with the Timothy Dalton character and his attraction to the, uh, this woman a lot of her the facial structure just her facial shape she reminds me of audrey hepburn in a lot of ways Hmm. Hmm. like very similar eyes and facial shape so we're on board for her as a bond girl she's great she's great yep good so they they end up hooking up going on this road trip uh we have a kind of a a fun little scene where with both of them kind of getting away because he has to she thinks that he is helping her boyfriend. Yes. So at this point, he has figured out that he confirms through her. Koskov is a shit. Yeah, that he, what do you call that? Whenever it's like, he's a double, double agent where he yeah. he was acting like he was defecting to the West That's with right. the British officers and agents. Feeding but, false info. But he's feeding them false information to get them in a vulnerable position so the KBG can kill all these spies so he's helping to feed into this mission and he's also setting up pushkin and bond makes Kara think that he is koskov's friend and that he's going to get her to vienna and he's going to pave the way so they can meet back up and as they get away one thing again we all really enjoyed this and it's it is really funny is as they're leaving (laughs) she's like oh i forgot my cello i have to have this cello and he's like we have like 10 minutes, so we're going to get busted. He's like, I'll get you a new one when we get to Vienna. Like, I'll buy you no, one. No, I have to have this one. And so he stops and get it, gets it for her. It, well, it's it really good because it is a it's, cut. It's them arguing, and he's like, we're not doing that. We're absolutely, we would never do that. And right. then it cuts to him sitting in the car waiting for it to come out. Yep. <laughs> it is really good. It's got some Harrison Ford energy. Very much. Like, so grumpy. The film then moves to Austria for a bit. General Pushkin and Joe Don Baker... We meet him for the first time as uh, Brad Whitaker. Whitaker, thank mm-hmm. you. The snow chase. Okay, I, I, I did not write about it, but okay. it's, it's a great so scene. Go. This sequence, kind of a throwback to On Her Majesty's Secret Service yeah. and also uh, The Spy Who Loves Me, which you know both have similar sequences. They uh, get caught by uh, the Russians, the cello man and woman. So they they escape. He's got the tricked out Aston Martin with all. He's got the lasers on the side that like burns the car. That's right. He's also got missile launchers, mm-hmm. turbo rocket. Uh-huh. He's got once the tire blows, he's got a sled. That's right. <laughs> um, like the skis on the side. He's got little uh, spikes on his tires that he can maneuver through the ice. Yeah, I got the traction. Yeah. So we all like this action scene a lot. Yeah, good stuff. 
I've got to move his stuff because he's like crunching and munching right here. All right. So we've we've had the the uh, the really solid action set piece. Did we actually talk about the ski chase? I, I didn't think that we did because we may not they, have. because what happens is they he's like, well, it's a good thing you got that cello because they open the case and they start going down it as if they're using oh, yeah, it they as, take it as they, like, like a, a sled. sled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he's using the I forget what you call it on a cello, the the post at the end of it. He's using it as a ski. Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, ski. Whatever you call them, the rods. That whole thing, I think, is really funny. And neck, the, the neck. neck of the cello. Right. That the the post that it sits on. Oh, he's using the post because there's a rod at the bottom of it that it's like a. Never mind. It looks like a spike. I know what the neck of a cello is. No, I don't. I just don't know the proper term. It's it before whenever they. Yeah, this whole segment, this chase is really good. It's really fun. Three different segments to it where they're in different areas. It's crazy. Like they end up being because they're in the car and they have to get out in the car is wild because they drive through is it like an ice fishing shack yeah they go through a shack and then they end up on a lake (laughs) yeah that's frozen over and Uh they've got bazookas being shot at him. And he, one of their tires pops, and so he uses the tire rim to cut through the ice around this yep. uh, KGB taxi yep. thing. I don't know. Well, it's it makes really him fall funny. in the lake. And yeah, as you said, it, it, we end up on that cello. It, yeah, so then he's like... It's so good. It, yeah. The whole scene's... It's a lot of fun, and it, yeah. but it looks really good. The music's great. Everything yeah. in it. There's some really good stunts happening. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, I'll be honest, during all this stuff and some of the stuff still to come, I was at this point being like, man, this is one of my favorite Bond movies at, <laughs> at this point. Big expectations for the rest of the film. Yeah, it just loses some of the stamina for but about 20 minutes. I just want to say that's how much I was enjoying this. All the stuff up to that point to where it pivots, where you're getting ready to get to very close, sure. it's... Very engaging, very exciting and fun, but also everything that's happening makes sense. So Mm -hmm. as much as I talk about this isn't one of the better Bond stories, it is solid in that it is logical. It makes sense. All right. Joe Don Baker's Whitaker character. (laughs) Uh, We meet him. He has this a bunch of bad wax sculptures of dictators. Generals. Different war figures throughout time (laughs) that all look like him. Mm Yeah. But also they just look like. I said they look like really bad Marlon Brando. Sure. Uh, I like this scene where he's like eating this huge lobster. uh, (laughs) And I laughed quite a bit at that. Joe Don. I'm sorry. I should call him Whitaker. I do this all the time. His name's Brad. Brad Whitaker. Uh, He is he is playing General Pushkin, playing him as as in like trying um, to get what he wants. Yes. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know how to word that. You're fine. No, he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's so, misleading him. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's the thing that's going on with this film is it doesn't feel like there's any like overarching, like strong villain plan. No. So Kuskov is so convoluted. So so originally the plan is that Whitaker is selling arms to Pushkin uh, to to make the Russians stronger. He has not delivered on that, so Pushkin is wanting that money back within two days. In the meanwhile, Kuskov is trying to kill Pushkin, and he has a deal with Whitaker about transferring diamonds yeah. and you know do, doing that to get weapons or whatever the fuck. Right. 
And then it's he- It's moving weapons, moving diamonds, and trying to gain power for one person or the other. But then he has his own thing to get money off of Whitaker by taking the diamonds and trading them for opium. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just- that part of the story, the rest well, of it Whitaker's is very clear. involved with the wh- opium. Because yes. it, so Whitaker's the one he wanting wants that the opium. Money. Yeah. Yeah. He wants profits from opium. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of opium that they have at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Either it's the but, it's a very boring milk to toast, s- just plain Jane villain plan for a Bond movie. So, it's not exciting at all. Yeah, it's various weapon deals that are happening, but then the Exchange is either diamonds or opium. Guns with so, yeah. armor. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. That the bad guy plotting stuff in this is it's not good. It's yeah, it yeah. leaves something to be desired. Sure. The next set piece I'm gonna talk about is Bond and Kara enjoying a fair slash carnival. So they're in Vienna and they're falling in love. Yeah, I I love this whole sequence. Like, Vienna looks beautiful. It's a really nice change of pace. Like I said earlier in the pod, that's something I like about this movie is the globetrotting. Yeah. So we we get to this beautiful Vienna and just seeing, like, the landscapes and you get to the beautiful hotel. And they're dating. She gets, like, the dress. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. dating and, like, going around the city is very nice. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it feels nice and it the music changes a little bit like everything is a little bit more rose color mm-hmm. it's just like it's very yeah. nice so and they go to yeah. see a symphony and mm-hmm. then he connects with another agent uh, the agent that is there uh, in the beginning to get uh, Kuskov who set up that whole deal he's there to meet with Bond and Bond's like hey I need you to um, he's got these pictures of the girl and I need you to look into this cello that he bought in America. Like, see who bought it. So it's called the Queen Rose or something. Yeah, and it's um, something that they could track to see who's working or who's pulling Kuzco's strings. Yeah, the whole idea is, which again, this is some good detective stuff where he's like, how in the world did Costco, like, how did he have the money to buy right. this extremely rare, very expensive I was going to say musical equipment. It's an instrument. Good grief. I can't talk today. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Yeah, this very expensive instrument. And they, they're they like, oh, Brad Whitaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he, he gave them the money. Well, and this leads into what you're talking. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So the tram thing, I think, is what you're going to talk about. Sure. And this scene, I, I as you talked about, we get a little bit of a different setting and feel and color palette. And I really like this scene because... This is where I really noticed you get some neons and a real like 80s pop sensibility with this whole scene. And I just thought it was Change nice. of pace, yeah. but it was nice still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, so Bond and Kira finally hook up here. On they top just of, make out, right? Yeah, they make out in the tram on top of mm-hmm. her little elephant wearing a hat. Yeah. Very and cute. My favorite shot is like right when that happens, a little elephant the camera pans well, to the elephant's so nose. So she leans back yeah. on top of the elephant and yeah. then Bond leans on her and then <laughs> it pans over and we just end on the elephant's little face. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this leads into that uh, other British agent getting murdered. He gives Bond that information yeah. in the little coffee shop and Necros has... Another really good scene. Yeah, yeah he's uh, uh, pretending to be a balloon vendor. Yeah. And he sets a trap on the door 
And it's like one of those glass sliding doors. So once the agent comes out, mm-hmm. just smashes him. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. And it pisses Bond off. Well, mm-hmm. and he looks hurt whenever mm-hmm. it happens and then piss and he just takes off. So after this, if you want to explain anything more about this, you're welcome to. But General Pushkin is not the villain here, right? Yeah. So this is actually one of my favorite sequences in the movie. Bond is pissed and he goes to John Reese davies who is like having a romantic night with his lady. Mm-hmm. And they got candlelight. She's got lingerie, but mm-hmm. it's it's like that late 80s lingerie. Uh-huh. So he's, good. Yeah. And he's like. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you unless you tell me what I want to know. And you get the like John Reese Davies like does the the watch thing to call call in security and you get the like Bond ripping her top off. You get some side nip, you know, tasteful for a PG film. I Uh love him turning and just seeing her and ripping her clothes off (laughs) and just standing her in the middle of the room. Stay. (laughs) He goes behind the door. Yeah. So good. Uh (laughs) They are able to work out something because the next scene is uh, John Reese davies getting assassinated. So it's setting up for Necros to shoot him and then he gets shot beforehand and the camera does this awesome pan over and it's Bond. And as soon as it pans over, because it follows the spotlight, it's from Necro's um, point of view. Mm-hmm. And you get the wonderful shot of just like reactionary Bond instantly shoots like the spotlight and then runs out. Yeah, I love that whole sequence just because I think that also adds to like the cold blooded like professionalism of Timothy Dalton's version of Bond. Mm -hmm. Like, I just like the physicality. I think it's a really cool sequence. I like that selection of shots, like the way that the point of view, just the lead up. And like, we kind of know what's happening, but we're not filled in completely. The audience doesn't know exactly what it is. KGB at this point, they think Pushkin is dead. Mm -hmm. They think Bond killed him. That obviously didn't happen. But... I love the John Reese davies to his girlfriend who yep. she, that poor she's woman. Like she's really been through it. She really thinks yeah, she's she dead. thought he's he's dead and he's like, I'm so sorry to do that to you, darling. I'm so thankful that Bond's such a good shot. <laughs> yeah. Three bullets like right on yep. the pad. Right on where, the heart. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay, so to add to a little bit of the convoluted nature of this plot here, Bond next gets captured by like these two girls driving, and we find out they're working for Felix. Felix is a CIA agent. Yeah, and because you you haven't watched a ton of these movies, but you know who Felix is, right? Yes. So, and typically in these movies, up until like the newer Daniel Craig films, Felix is like a different actor in every single Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, so that adds kind of another layer here. The next thing I have written down is, so Bond's been away for a little while. We get a shot of him coming back to their hotel room where I think where him and Kara were staying. Yeah. And so she kind of has a turn because he explains finally what his intentions are and what's going on. But he, she she drugged him. She did. So they he finally lays it all out. Look, I'm not Costco. I'm not his friend. I'm not, you know, he and also he's playing you too. Like he's not what you think he is and he just setting everything out and she makes him well she already has pre-made these martinis she pours his out serves it and she's holding hers never drinks it and then as he's explaining this he starts to get all wobbly and goes down you feel a little bad for because all these dudes have just been lying to her it's like she doesn't know what to think or believe at this point Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so yeah 
she's also just keeps getting moved to different countries yeah. without mm-hmm. any real warning of just like, you're going to do this. And she's like, OK. And this kind of leads to our lackluster third act. Yeah. So yeah. after this point, like Stacy just said, we, we moved to Afghanistan. And this is where the film really falters, in my opinion. Bond and Kira get get taken away. They eventually, so they get taken to Afghanistan in some like a little prison. Yes. It's another compound. The compound. It's a yeah. Russian prison. Bond finally uses some of his uh, gadgets that yeah. he was he given. He was provided, yeah. And they work out pretty well. They are able to escape this prison, but they, you know, he understands they're still like stuck in this air base. I do love the, the gel cell sequences where, yeah. so he uses the little key that's right. Whistle. You whistle yeah. at it and it, yeah. Yeah, so he detonates that and then they have a fight and I love that the one guy that's in the cage next to them who ends up being, the, uh-huh. you know, another hero, right. but he's like, <laughs> yeah, like he's cheering Vaughn really on, like, fun. yeah, kill all these assholes. <laughs> I love this. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and then throws them the keys at the end. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> they end up rescuing um, inadvertently who rescues them from the airbase, yeah. Cameron Shaw, mm-hmm. who is part of the Afghanistan resistance, which would later be the Taliban. Taliban. Um, so that's fun. <laughs> this movie gets really messed up in the last, as far as its politics. Listen, <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing. 80s action movies were sympathetic to that because right. of communism being pushed into Afghanistan, so you know we we didn't know we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, Rambo he didn't know he just wanted to save Colonel Trotman. Uh, he didn't know. He didn't, he didn't know. know. Nobody he knew. didn't know. We didn't know. Bond didn't know. Listen, it was the eighties. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know about it. Yeah. So wild, yeah, wild shit. Uh, <laughs> the Afghan uh, resistance helps uh, Bond and Kira. We find out that. They are selling opium to the Russians for guns. Yeah. Correct? Again, it's. Yeah. Yes. Exchanging of drugs. Do we think that action films from this time that use the Afghan resistance, do we think that is more about what is going on in the world at the time and trying to be relevant? Or do we think it's directors that are and writers or filmmakers who are enamored with Lawrence of Arabia? I think it's more that. And Honestly, like how I, awesome those action scenes look in that beautiful movie. Well, sure. no, no. Actually, I'll correct it. I think for this film specifically, I think it's that. Because that's more of like, yeah. it, it throws back to those type of films too. That type of mm-hmm. adventure film. Having, you know, men riding on horses whenever you have all these car chases and sure. stuff like it does feel it just brings a different layer to it. That's more. It's yeah, classic. It for it's classic Hollywood. Yeah. And it's great. Oh, sorry. I keep banging the table. Bond and, and Kira are, are are back at this point. Um, he. Do you need help reading your writing? Sneaks. Oh, I got it. OK. OK. <laughs> Bond sneaks onto a Russian truck with opium. If I've missed anything, no, here, no, you guys, you're, you're correct. You're, you're, go, you're okay. set. Uh, and the Afghans go with Kira and decide to help Bond against the Russian, and they're going to take them on. We didn't shout it out earlier, but Art Malik, who plays uh, Cameron Shaw, the leader of the Afghan resistance, uh, he will later be the villain uh, in True Lies, which is yeah. a truly phenomenal movie. Sure. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, worth watching. Which you can, because now it's streaming on stuff. It hasn't been available for so long, and that 4K is coming out soon. Very nice. We hope. I feel it. It's going to happen. <laughs> What's essentially Taliban versus Russians here? There you go. All right. 
And I guess in this case, we're rooting for the Taliban. The Taliban. Yeah. Uh, As we were in the 80s when Reagan sold them guns. Right. This film leads to the conclusion. This is just me talking here. So you. Uh, I, I'm just writing. I'm trying to be funny. So I'm, it's, it's not really a serious take. I just said this film leads to the conclusion that illegal gun trade is better than illegal opium trade. I think I. Mm. <laughs> Probably best that we know. <laughs> if someone were to attack me with opium, I would be more welcome to that mm-hmm. than being attacked with a gun. Agree. Do that with what you will. Do it. Do with it what you will. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Bond versus the Walkman Killer. Necros. <laughs> we have a show final showdown, but with them, this is a sweet sequence. It is. It's a great sequence. But it, I do not ins- like that he does just become a henchman. Mm-hmm. It's it is such a bummer. Uh, yeah, but, but that is, is his good. role. Yeah, and he's a great henchman. Yeah, he's Carl's brother. I think it's insane that they filmed two actors attached to the back end of a plane while it was open. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It's, it looks awesome. It Insanity. looks good. Yeah. I feel like this action set piece kind of inspired, like, the big set piece from Uncharted 3. Yeah. And, Absolutely, Which yeah. I think that makes it into the Uncharted movie. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like that was advertised. It's sweet. I, I love this sequence. And it, But it looks good. It's a cool sequence. It, it looks awesome. You, you've got a lot of cool stuff going on. It um, picks the energy back up, too. So you have Bond having to deal with a physical threat mm-hmm. that, from what we've seen in the movie thus far, could be his equal. Yeah, definitely. You, you have Kara, who is... Trying to fly? Trying to fly. She's doing, Listen, she does pretty she's good. She's trying to help out, and she's trying better to fly. She, did, she does a lot better than a lot of the other Bond girls mm-hmm. would have done. Yeah, sure. she just happened to not see the mountain in front of her. Well, he came <laughs> He came to the cockpit at that moment, and she looked like, oh my gosh, you're alive, and I love the you. Third, third thing you got going on is you have a bomb mm-hmm. on the plane that has to be defused, or they'll all die. And billions of dollars worth of opium. Yeah, Nolan. Billions that, of dollars that in all oak. goes to waste. Yeah. Well, I don't know how if they're watertight, but they are in bags. They are wrapped, and then they're put in other bags. Somebody will. Somebody will have a gold mine on it. I'll, so, I'll be honest. I really don't know that much about opium. I I I know you you smoke it. <laughs> I've never done it, folks. All right. Theoretically, could that if okay, we say that they're airtight, the opium bundles, ma- bricks. I don't know what I don't know what sort of let's call them bricks. So you've got these mm-hmm. opium bricks that are in the bags. They go into the water. Do you think that somebody potentially could have become a wealthy drug lord yes. off of finding those bricks? I think it's possible. Water? Where's the water? Well, they're not water. They just fall off the plane. They fall in the sand. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the ones that fall out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very possible. A very lucky random civilian. Very I think you got man. a bunch of camels tripping in the desert. Now that's okay, a possibility so that's another too. thing. <laughs> Again, I don't know how and everybody's like, why why do these camels just keep falling over? I just don't know how sealed they are, <laughs> if if people can get uh-huh. into them, if they're gonna be impacted by the elements. I don't know. If someone discovers them, a human, and they take them, since the money is gonna it's gonna be drug money. What would I do in that situation if I just how many of those bricks do you find? Let's say 10. Let's say you find $50 million worth of opium. Man. What do you do? That's a good question. Okay. I I try to do good a lot of times. Who's your first call? (laughs) You find it. Who do you call first? All of our friends. Probably Kendra. Yeah. Because I I would talk to her and be like, 
I would try to get Kendra's going to tell you to call the police. <laughs> do you take that into consideration? And then you put now your, I do. So, so you got Kendra up. You're getting ready to push the button. And then you're like, oh, sh- OK, I can't. Mm-hmm. You're so, definitely not calling me. I would just make fun of you. Yeah, you would not be help. I might call Melanie because she's good at giving me advice. He comes to me for advices. So it's not that hard for me to give him the wrong advices. So Wait, you think that she's going to give you advice other than turn <laughs> turn it in or walk away? Well, I she's a logical person, so that's I'm going to say, Nolan, where are you? <laughs> Come there. Chloroform it. I, I take the drugs. <laughs> I sell it. <laughs> really? How do you how do you do that? I contact somebody in my family who's no longer involved in law enforcement. Who do you know? Okay. You guys are not going to like this answer, but I know who I call. Who? Trevor. My first thought is that you're either calling Steven or mm, Trevor. That Steven would be good, too. Not that Steven's a sketchy guy, just that no, but I he's think got, he's got ideas. Yeah. I think that you and Trevor end up doing a bunch of opium and end up being 50 million in the hole. No, I I imagine Nolan not doing any opium and Trevor, he turns into like Pam and Archer whenever she's eating the yogurt <laughs> cocaine <laughs> thing. <laughs> just, opium just make you chill, though. I don't know what it does, to be honest. I think that's right, but I don't know. I don't know what it does. We don't know that much about drugs. I don't think anything good is going to come of this. Let's continue. <laughs> Nolan, what's the first big purchase you make with your drug money? Man. A new car. Is it new kicks? Is it new? Like, what is it? I'm going to spend a lot on shoes. Yeah, I know you are. I mean, I'd probably get another car. I like the one I got, but if you're an upgrade. If you've yeah. got drug money, mm-hmm. if you're a drug lord I'm now. I'm definitely getting a car. <laughs> We're cutting all of this. <laughs> let's, let's finish this off. That's what she said. She did. Bond wins against our henchman. Necros. Necros. After he kills him, he says he got the boot, which I liked a lot because Mm -hmm. his boot is stuck. They're wrestling around in this fishnet thing with the opium. And he he cuts the the Mm -hmm. net and he falls because he was hanging on to Bond's boot. Anyway, he gets the boot. All right. Bond ends up helping the uh, Afghans. Then after all this happens, him and Kara make it out safely. Bond goes after Whitaker, and we have a whole scene at his compound living situation, whatever it is. It's something. Yeah. And there's a little duel between those two. Bond takes him down eventually with the help of someone comes in there. His his keychain. His key. Okay, that's what it was. I couldn't. Okay. Pushkin is the one that helps out. Bond. Yeah, that's right. They, they arrest Cusco. Yeah, they arrest him. And at the end, Kara gets to play her cello. Looks like she has her own personal show going on. Yeah. And she gets a visa. Everything's looking good. Her mm-hmm. and Bond well, have an embrace. At first, she's like, oh, he didn't make it. He that's couldn't, right. He couldn't make it. That's mm-hmm. okay. And then she she's like, I'm just going to take a moment. And she goes to her dressing room. She mm-hmm. closes the door. And it's oh, th- this great poster of her show and like her name really big in the lights. And she sees the martinis and she's mm. like, oh, my boyfriend's back. Had the two cups in there. Yeah. The glasses. Sorry. Embrace. Yeah. It's a nice little ending. End of movie. The first part of the them going to Afghanistan slows everything down. But that fight between him and Necros on the back of the plane is really cool. I don't like the 
the Whitaker takedown stuff. I don't it's, like Whitaker. It's stupid and sure. silly. It's a bad final bad guy moment in a Bond movie. But I do like this ending a yep. lot. Yep. I think this is a good movie. It, it's weighed down by a terrible villain. Sure. And the pacing in the third act is a little uneven. But I think it's a pretty good Bond film. I had a, I had a, it's serviceable. I had a good time watching it. 20, 30 minute span. Just. Yeah. But that's all right. It was still overall had a fun time. Don't. I'm excited for you to watch the next one. I think you'll like it more than this. Yeah. Highs, lows, make them laugh. I'll start. My make them laugh. I really like in movies, big action spectacles, when people fall from cliffs. And I just like seeing bodies fall. And there's one death in particular that's really good here. And... It's early on in the. You're film. talking about the the training yeah. montage mm-hmm. where the guy and a guy just like bites it so hard. I know it's brutal, but it also makes me laugh. Also, in like Temple of Doom, there's like a ton of like dudes that die at the end, but just like death that way. And anyway, I really enjoy it, that. You know what it, that stuff reminds <laughs> me of? Whenever you're playing Smash Brothers, whenever you get binged off the map, oh, yeah. and then it goes boom. <laughs> And yep. that, like you can see your character the whole way Definitely. and then it just puffs out. <laughs> yeah. So my my high is I love the end action scene because of how wild it just was. Yeah. The audacity, the way it was staged, the way it's shot. That those are two people yeah. doing it. That That is my truly high point. But I'll just say in general, all the action here is just really well done. And my low point is the Afghanistan section. That 20 minutes, like, We've already talked about it multiple times, but it really did drag the movie down for me. And I just, it was a real bummer because of how good I thought it was up to that point. And it does make up for it a little bit at the end, but I just had a hard time not looking past that. My high point, Timothy Dalton, specifically, his icy professionalism and bringing Fleming's words to life as earlier in the pod, the sniper sequence and the the entire thing with the assassination of John Reese Davies. I find all that stuff awesome and he looks great and his physicality is really good. Mm-hmm. My low point is just the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. they're series worst bad guys. Necros is really cool for a henchman, but outside of that, the bad guys plan isn't even that exciting. Mm-hmm. It's very bad. Bad guys. My make them laugh is going to be, when he refuses to go get the cello and then you cut to him <laughs> parked <laughs> being annoyed. Why couldn't you learn violin? It's like a real dad moment. I've definitely been like, no, no, no. Insistent on like, mm-hmm. I know this sounds psycho to you, but I need this one sure. thing and I need it. Yeah. This doesn't make any fucking sense, uh-huh. but yeah, I guess since you need it, we'll go do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. My high is going to be Timothy Dalton as well. Not to, that's, Wish that he had a longer run. For me, three to four would be my ideal mm-hmm. for him. I think he was still a good age range for a Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, his physicality, his look, everything about him, his voice. I just, he is so, repeating myself, sure. but he is Bond for me. And it's like. Well, hold on now. If if he was doing Bond in the 90s, though, would he have had time for Beautician and the Beast? I, th- I think that we could have still squeezed it in. A Fran Drescher classic. I really like Beautician and the Beast. He looks uh, incredible in that suit. I don't even care. It's not a guilty pleasure. I just like it. Uh-huh. I really appreciated what Fran Drescher did in the 90s. 
he looks great in a suit. I can't. I don't. Fair. No judging. My low is going to be, it's Whitaker, but in particular also his haunting wax sculptures mm. that he has in mm-hmm. his little parlor area. So whoever made those, bad job. Also, it's like he has to have one, <laughs> like one wax shop somewhere where someone's just making <laughs> yeah. these large figures and they're like, we got another one for the Whitaker yeah. residence. Mm-hmm. Like Good. one of these creepy things that kind of looks like mm-hmm. him and like some weird period. It's just, it's so creepy and yeah. weird, but not in like a fun way. Right. My make them laugh. It probably is the cello thing just because it, mm-hmm. it's very funny, but just to be different, all the two scenes with Q with the ghetto blaster and then yeah. the sofa swallowing yeah. up the guy and him just being, I love when Q is thrilled about his gadgets. I'm so good. Yeah. I just love seeing him thrilled about any. I just love Q. Sure. Melanie, do we have an MFK today? Let's let's see how my brain's going to work today. Okay. If I'm going to be normal or maybe come up with something. I am interested in what you're going to come up with. Okay. So if we're ready, I must ask both of you, Mary, fuck, kill James Bond, Brad Whitaker or Necros. Stacey, would you like to start? Hmm. Mary, fuck, kill Brad Whitaker, Necros or James Bond. I'm going to kill Brad Whitaker. (laughs) I think maybe real world. I probably could. I'm going to marry James Bond and I'm going to fuck Necros. We okay. saw him in the banana hammock. He looks good. He looks He's fit. I'm marrying Whitaker. <laughs> and here's why. Okay. Rich guy. I will have his opium money. Stacy just said he was going to kill him. So I'm going to hire him to kill him. And then we can both, you know, have money together. We don't have to be partners. It's all right. It we can at like least. You guys are going to get married. I mean, we could if he if he wants. That's fine. But I I'm don't just, want. Okay. Well, we'll have money at least. Yeah. Because I I will do that for you if you, if you take him out. <laughs> now it does mean I'm going to have to probably be in bed with him at least a few times, and that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. In the wax. Maybe you could get yeah. some more whatever she puts into Bond's drink. Maybe you mm. could get some of that and just. Yeah stage it the next morning where it looks like maybe something happened. That's a good point. And you'd be like, wow, that was great for me. Mm -hmm. And I I definitely will make him do a wax statue or whoever does his wax statues. Yeah, yeah. He's doing one of me as something, someone. I don't care what. We're going to figure it out. So that's happening. I'm going to marry James Bond. But then there's conflict of interest. There is. You You just said you were marrying Whitaker. You you mean fuck, I assume. Yes. Yes. So there's going to be a threesome at some point is what it sounds like. No, no, no. These are separate I don't know. It sounds like it's the same thing for you guys. No. The least he can do (laughs) since I, you know, I'm having, I'm giving him a lot of money. He can at least let me get a good lay in here. I haven't agreed to any of this. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll see. So yeah, James Bond, he's. He's either getting it from me or I'm getting it from him. Whatever is going to happen. You're getting it from him. I'll I'll still enjoy it. Uh, And then lastly, I'm I mean, I'll attempt to kill Necro. He's a, he is a really intimidating figure. No, no offense. I think you're going to get choked out. Yeah, I'll probably not make. He's going to choke you mm-hmm. out with one of his Walkman, yeah. whatever. He's could got. I could I hire you again? Could, <laughs> could you help me take him out? He's my I'll, fuck boy. I'll give you more money. You can still have sex with him, but, but afterwards you got to kill after him. After he's yeah. These are separate. Okay, whatever. <laughs> well, that's my plan. I'll have to do some convincing of Stacy, and we'll see if it works. Fuck Necros for sure. I mean, body, mm-hmm. body, body. Mm-hmm. I am marrying Bond. 
and sure. I'm going to kill Whitaker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill him myself because I think I could. So I will go ahead and take him out. I will infiltrate, yeah. take him out, mm-hmm. marrying Bond. Although I, I'm pro- I'm going to die. If I'm anyone important to Bond, I'm getting mm-hmm. killed. That's a fair So point. that's like a bummer, but I think it'll be worth it. Yeah. Very right. romantic. A lot of adrenaline. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. I'm probably the one that made the worst choice here, but I'm going to hope I somehow my plan can vision that I get trained up to be an MI6 agent in my uh, dream scenario of marrying Bond. <laughs> and that's why you're killing the guys that I'm hiring. Yeah, you that's why kill. you guys are the same thing. 0069. Yes. Well, that was a fun show, guys. Good times. Uh, we'll be <laughs> back in a few weeks. In the meantime, uh, you can find us on Pod Center on iTunes, on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, find us at Cinema Parlor. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Cinema Parlor. Rate us and review us if you would. That would help us. And uh, I will read reviews on air if we ever get any more reviews in this life. <laughs> you can find me personally on Letterboxd at Chuck Madden Jr. Letterbox S Glover 84. Plastic Werewolf on all social media. Fun times, guys. Go watch uh, some James Bond movies and, uh, you know, watch some spy shit. Well, peace. Goodbye.